Good morning. Can you hear me okay? All right. I want to reassure you, there should be plenty of time after the sermon to grab a quick dinner and ring in the new year after that. All right. Plenty of time. All right. Three hours probably scared you, but I don't think it'll go more than two, personally. So. Well, 2023 indeed was a year of many blessings, wasn't it? We had many baptisms in 2023. Yeah. Amen. And we had many families come and many visitors come, and we're thankful for all of you, whether you're here watching online, whether you'll watch it later. Many, many blessings. And let me say this to all of the kids, if you just listen for one second, you are a tremendous blessing to us. And we are so thankful for you. And you are blessed to have the teachers that you have and for uh, Lauren and Brian and Marion. It's just wonderful to have you. In fact, you, you are part of our church, a very important part. And I want you to know that as we, uh, as we continue here. Now that's not to say that all of you aren't either. But isn't it great to have the kids, and sorry you have to listen to me today. Hopefully you have, uh, you'll be blessed through this and get some things out of it if you're not, if you don't have a coloring book. <laughs> and if you have an extra coloring book, Nick could use it. But uh, <laughs> So we are very, very blessed. And 2024, will also be filled with blessings. But let's face it, that song that tells us next year our troubles will be out of sight is not quite right. Because 2024 will also see storms. And in fact, 2023, we had many storms. And I'm not talking about rainstorms. Hopefully we'll have lots more of those to fill our water reservoirs. But there are going to be storms. And in fact, I wonder if many of the blessings we have actually come through the storms. And the storms are a place where God works extremely powerfully. And I think taking a look at some of these storms and how God works is very important because I want him to be able to calm you in the midst of that storm. Now, our prayer is often for God to take away the storms, calm them. And we'll see that sometimes he does that in his time. But he can calm us even in the midst of the storm so that we can have his peace. And so as 2024 begins, my prayer for all of you is that regardless of the struggle that you're going through, may the peace of God rest on your soul and that can, you can take comfort in him. Let's look at one of those uh, powerful examples 
In these four verses that we're going to read here is packed so much that we actually could take two hours to go through it. All right? But I won't. But let's look at it. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Kids, a squall is a very intense storm. All right, that's what a squall is. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Isn't that amazing? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Just a little background here. This lake, the Sea of Galilee, is 700 feet below sea level. All right. It's surrounded by hills. And in fact, there is a mountain, Mount Hermon, is about 40 miles away, and it rises 10,000 feet. So what happens is, in the ravines around these hills, cold air can come down and meet the warm air from the lake, and you get a sudden storm. And they can be very, very intense. And so that's what happened in this time. And there are a lot of amazing things we could look at in that story. But you know one thing that amazes me perhaps more than anything else? Jesus was asleep. Okay? This is an intense storm. We know it's intense. Water is coming over. You've got experienced fishermen who are saying we're going to drown. People who know the lake are saying this is intense. And yet Jesus is asleep? Now, I'm sure he was tired, but so were the disciples. Let's face it, if you or I were on that boat, I don't care how tired we, we were, we would be panicking right along with the disciples. Yet Jesus has the calm and the peace through God and the Holy Spirit that he can actually be asleep. He knows his hour has not come yet. He knows his father he knows that this is not his time. So he can sleep. But the disciples, they weren't just afraid. They were panicking. And so as they wake him, what they say to him is, Master, we're going to drown. You know how it comes across to me? It comes across to me like, Jesus, you're sleeping during our storm. You ever feel like that? Yes. Ever feel like the storms are, that the waves are crashing into your boat? The storm is intense. You can't deal with it. You're going to drown. God, where are you? Jesus, where are you? 
And our deepest desire is for God to take away that storm, to calm those, those waves and that wind. And yet we look over, figuratively speaking, and Jesus is asleep. So it is an intense struggle for us. But look at what Jesus did. They finally call to him, and Jesus, it says, rebuked the winds. It uses that same phrase when he calls out evil spirits. It's as though he's saying, stop. You stop. Isn't it amazing that he is in control, even of weather patterns that we now understand the complications with, and with a word, that wind stopped and the waves calmed. And the disciples, do you notice their reaction? Who is this that can calm the, the storm? And Jesus said to them, where's your faith? And I think Jesus says that to us. Where's your faith, Andy? I'm going to be with you. I am with you during this storm. And I may not calm the winds in the time frame you would like, but I can calm the storm inside you. And I can give you peace so that you can deal with the storm and see the good that might come out of it. So let's look at a few of these storms that, uh, that are listed in, in the New Testament and see how God worked in them. Paul is caught in a storm on the way to Rome to stand trial. And <clears throat> let's start reading. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. These are the soldiers and the Romans who are going to take him to Rome. They saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were dri driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard, then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Can you imagine this wooden ship? having to pass ropes underneath to hold it together. Everybody is concerned, frightened, and starting to panic. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, now, there's a little bit of humor that you might get in what he says next, all right? Because Paul had told them they shouldn't start out to begin with, right? And yet they did. So, listen to what he says. Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. You ever have people say, I told you so? <laughs> it's very comforting and warming, isn't it? Yeah. I told you, Andy, you shouldn't do that. Annette never does that. Yeah. Annette never does that. And, and yet, he's doing this because he's, 
he, underneath it all, he's saying, God is working through me, and you need to listen, right? So, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Now that is the faith I want. That is the faith I want. I don't I won't necessarily have an angel standing beside me telling me it will be okay, but I have scripture where it makes promises to me that in the end it will be okay, and that he will be with me, that the Holy Spirit will guide me, that I will be able to do the things he's asked me to do. I know he can. I know he will. And it's going to happen just as he told us in scripture it's going to happen. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Now notice what he's saying. God's going to protect us in this storm. Did the storm immediately stop and everything be okay? No. It ran aground. It, it was damaged. They had to find their way to sea. It was still a huge, I mean to the island, it was still a huge struggle. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. Wow. Wow. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship, and this way everyone reached land safely. So, what's the lesson for us there? The storm didn't end immediately. They ran aground. But do you see some of the blessings in this? People were able to see God's glory and God working through Paul. That centurion, we might meet him in heaven someday. Gordon might be speaking to him right now, all right? That's a blessing. In the middle of an intense storm where the ship is lost, God was working. All of the men's lives were saved. That is powerful. Now let's look at a figurative storm. Can you imagine a storm that is more intense than being put into a Roman prison and having your feet shackled? I can't, okay? I think I would rather be on the Sea of Galilee with a storm going on than to be in a prison, chained, my feet and probably my hands. When her owners realized this is just what was going on that caused Paul to be thrown in prison, he had healed a woman who uh, 
was doing things that other people were getting an income from. So when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now that's a storm. Stripped and then beaten with rods so that the clothing would not even be on. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Now that's a storm. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. I don't sh not sure how carefully you need to guard people who are beaten almost to death and then shackled, but when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now here's what I really want you to look at. Notice how Paul and Silas deal with this. This is my prayer for me and for all of us that when we're faced with a struggle like this, can we deal with it like Paul and Silas did? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Do you notice that in the midst of this storm, God has calmed their storm inside? Inside, they have peace. They haven't been treated fairly. They haven't been treated right. But here they are in the middle of this intense storm. They are praying and singing. And others are listening. An important message here for all of us. People are watching how you handle the storms that you face. People are watching. People are listening. And it's a tremendous opportunity to have that peace of God fill us and to show them that we're different. We have the Holy Spirit. He is with us. We are not alone. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all of the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Wow! The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, I want to ask you a question. He represents the people who have beaten you, flogged you, almost killed you, has chained you inside, probably not given you much food at all, and he has drawn his sword and was about to kill himself. Would it be tempting to just let him do it? Yeah. Sometimes those who cause us struggles, we want to see bad come to them. But I want you to see what God wanted and what Paul did here, which impresses me so much. Oh, pushed the wrong button. Uh-oh. All right. The thumb misbehaved. Sorry. All right. 
let's just go back to the previous one for a second. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. That's love. That is love. That's showing love to somebody who doesn't deserve it. That's showing love to somebody who has mistreated you, who represents powers who would love to kill you, who are upset at you. That is love to say, don't do that. Don't do that. Because <clears throat> don't harm yourself. We are all here. And look at the response. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Do you see the blessing in this storm? It was all worth it. The beatings, the jailing, having the feet tied, I tell you, it was all worth it because this jailer came to know God because of it. That's hard to say, isn't it, that it was worth it. But in God's eyes, with an eternal perspective, not a human perspective, it's worth it. I look forward to talking to him someday. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a blessing. In the midst of this horrible storm, God worked and had that jailer. I wonder how many of the other prisoners also came. I don't know. But what a blessing. That's how God works in storms. We often look at the trials, the difficulties, and focus almost everything on that. But I urge us to, to pray to God, to remain calm like they did. God got them out of the storm. God used the storms to witness to others. Others came to the Lord as a result of those storms. Faith was strengthened and the kingdom was blessed. Now there's one more storm that I want us to look at. One more. And this one is a bit different. Here we're catching the tail end of a storm that had affected a lady for 12 years. This is the woman who touched Jesus' hem. And it's the storm of physical suffering and abandonment. And some of you have physical struggles that have lasted a long time or know people who have those or related to people who have had or are having struggles that just go on and on and on. So let's look at this precious lady. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. We've got to expand here. The physical distress of bleeding probably caused her to be weak, probably caused her to feel ill, maybe dizzy. It caused a lot of problems. That was not the biggest part of the struggle this lady faced. 
Because she was bleeding, she would have been ostracized from the community, just like lepers. She would not have been allowed to participate with anyone. If she had been married at the time, there would be no more sex. It would be over, probably divorced. If she had not been married, she would not be allowed to marry. The whole community would be thinking she did something that caused this to happen. There would be shame on this lady. For 12 years, she has been going through an unimaginably difficult struggle for 12 years. And in those 12 years, she has felt abandoned, she has felt abused, neglected. After all, you got your income from men in those days, most likely. So how did she eat? How did she take care of herself? And yet she has heard of this man and heard about his miracles and seen him and she is saying to herself, I don't care about the rules and regulations. I'm getting in there, all right? In fact, she had such faith contrasting with the disciples that she thought probably of the Micah passage that talked healing on his wings and the wings were those little threads that came off of the, uh, off, off of the teachers. She thought, if I can just touch those, I'll be healed, all right? And so what does she do? She came up behind him and touched the edges of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. This must have seemed funny to everybody around. There's, there's dozens of people crowding in and he asks, who touched me? All right. And <clears throat> master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. She's not sure what's going to happen. Is she going to be rebuked um, for being unclean and touching this, this teacher? She's not sure. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, isn't that wonderful? Claimed her as a daughter. Didn't matter to him that she had been bleeding. Didn't matter to him, this is his daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So here we see the end of a storm. But this lady had gone through struggling for 12 years, and I'm sure she asked herself many times during those 12 years, God, why am I having to go through this? Why am I having to be ostracized? 12 years. Think back 12 years to 2011, December 31st, if you can. That's a long time ago. Kids, many of you weren't alive, right? All right? 11 years, 12 years is a long time to be dealing with something like this. And yet, in the end, look at the good that came from it. Her faith was assigned to everyone. And unfortunately, God sometimes asks us to go through struggles and difficulties 
and problems that go on and on and on, and he doesn't remove them in our timing. And so then what we have to do is to allow him to calm the storm inside, even though outside the circumstances are still raging. So, 2024. There's going to be a lot of blessings, but there will be some intense storms. Some are going to continue from the past years. Some will intensify. Some will be calmed. God does miraculously heal and cause the storm sometimes to stop. But may we reach out to him for guidance and peace. That's my first prayer. Reach out to him for guidance and peace, first of all. And let him calm the storm inside, even if the storm outside rages. May we persevere and show his fruits of the Spirit even during the storms. People are watching how you handle them, all right? Just remember that. People are watching them. If you're a mom or dad, your kids are watching you to see how you handle this. May God give you the strength, the courage, the love, and the peace to be the examples that your kids need. By the way, all the rest of you, the kids are watching you too, all right? You don't get off the hook. The kids in this family are all of ours. And others are watching. May we bring many in this year, this next year, as a result of how we deal with these struggles. May others see us as lights in the storm and come to him. And may we be blessed by seeing him at work. I know that New Year's Eve, you probably wanted a sermon where we talk about how the struggles will soon be out of sight. Well, guess what? In God's timing, they soon will be out of sight. All right? All right? In God's timing. I love all of you. I pray that his peace will come over you even during the most difficult of trials. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for being the God who is not disturbed by storms. You even can sleep when the rest of us are panicking. And Father, we thank you that you calm the storms, either through the external circumstances changing or through working with our heart, in our hearts. And we thank you for that, Father. I thank you for being a God who cares, who watches us, who is with us during those storms. And I pray for each person here that they can be blessed and uplifted in 2024. Father, we want many to come to you in Mexico, in uh, Africa, here in San Jose. Give us the wisdom to know how best to do that, Father, and to be examples to our community. In Jesus' name, amen.